Hey guys, welcome to another episode of MC Anime, and uh, MC here, and we have another special guest with us today, Saber. How you doing today, Saber? Tired. Tired? Been one of those days? No, I'm just always tired. Oh, okay. So, uh, Saber, tell them a little about yourself, what you are, and what you do. Uh, I'm Saber. I sleep, I eat, I do what normal humans do, but I also like to read this book series called Percy Jackson. Oh, okay. Very entertaining book series. So that's a little bit about Sable. It's a little bit about Sable, and uh, he alluded to what the topic is today. So what we're doing is a questionnaire about the Percy Jackson Olympian series. And as such, with the questionnaire, we're going to start asking questions about the Postage Action Olympians and how Sable likes the series and go from there. Yeah. So for anyone that doesn't know what Postage Action Olympians is, please, please feel free to tell the audience. Huh? Feel free to tell the audience what Postage Action is and represents. Okay, so Percy Jackson is a is um, a book series about this kid named Percy, and it's about Greek demigods live fighting monsters and trying to stop a dude from conquering the world, pretty much. Okay. So, the dude that's conquering the world. Do you want to share who that is? So it's actually two people, two main people. Phronos and Luke Castellian, or have you pronounced his last name? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, Cronus yeah. is very synonymous with the Greek legend being the king of the Titans and uh, the father of Zeus, of P- Poseidon, and uh, what's the person in the underworld? Hades. So. Hades is the god of the underworld. Yes. And then there's Tartarus. Who is mm-hmm. the little god dude of the deepest part of the underworld? Mm-hmm. That's where Kronos and all the titans and giants live. Yes. And monsters. And uh, for anyone that doesn't know Greek mythology, the titans were trapped with Kronos during the rise of the three trinity gods of Poseidon, Zeus, and Hades. And during that time, they trapped them. For the reign of the Titans was no more. So they're trapped in Tartarus, which is a, a living fire prison. So, Well, not all the Titans are in Tartarus. Yeah, not all of them just, are in there. Just the ones that actually cause havoc and actually will cause destruction well, to Atlas humanity. who did yeah. cause... There's Atlas, who is actually holding up the sky. Yeah. And he actually does a lot of trouble. He's one of the only people who can actually hold up the sky for practically ever. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting, because Atlas, you know, very strong feats of lifting up the world, not much people compared to that, and that role is the synonymous with, like, hoarding up the heavens literally being equivalent to maybe... Hercules picking up the Atlas world as well, in legend. Yeah, Atlas is the strongest titan. He's also known as the general in the book series because mm-hmm. he's the general of Cronus's army. Oh, okay. It's kind of interesting that you yeah. know Atlas is like more peaceful, taking up the duty as the protector, holding up the sky and heavens. But, well, actually, he's forced to to do it in the book series. You see that. Only Tim, uh, Giants, and uh, um, Cyclopses can be forced to hold up the sky. And so he's being forced to hold up the sky. And when they fight in the third book series, Artemis kicks him, or hits him, and he rolls, and Pussy Jackson moves out from under the sky, and Alice has to hold up the sky. Oh, okay. And uh, what's the books in order... In the uh, series, it goes uh, the Lightning Thief, which is where we meet Percy Jackson. Yep. Then the Sea of Monsters, 
where they go out to the Bermuda Triangle. Mm -hmm. And then there's the one with Atlas. I forgot the name. It's, I just don't remember the name. Yeah. It's where they go out and they, Annabeth gets kidnapped and they go out to fight Atlas and stuff. Yeah. And the fourth one is about the labyrinth. It's this giant maze under all of Earth with uh, the child of Athena and mm -hmm. all that stuff. Fifth one, the Titan's Curse, where they fight a war, pretty, pretty much. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I guess let's start with the Lightning Thief. Because that's usually how the Percy Jackson Olympian series is introduced. And brings great merit to the franchise and overall, you know, mistaken for the Lightning Thief. Which I would be, which would be the bite and bolt of Zeus. Yeah, the lightning bolt, uh, the, the main thing about the book, The Lightning Thief, is about Luke, who we don't know actually steals it until ne the, near the end of the book, mm -hmm. where he tries killing Percy. And while well, Percy survives because of Tree Nymph yeah. and Sharon, the little centaur dude. And, well, that's at the end of the book. Yeah. In the beginning, we meet Percy Jackson, with his teacher, who's in a wheelchair, who's also the centaur that protects Camp Half Blood. Yeah. And then they fight a fury. He goes to camp. he goes to uh, a beach with his mom. His mom get, dies. Then he goes to camp. Then he fights a bunch of people. Then he goes on a quest. Fights another. Fights and kills three more furies. Mm -hmm. Then then he travels on to uh, on a train to St. Louis. Uh, that it's just near where I live, and then he basically tries to blow up the arch. Yep. Yeah, and then they go to uh, California, more on the train and stuff in California, and then after all that, they go to the Lotus Hotel. After they're in a van with animals that they set free, they go to this hotel called the Lotus Hotel. Time does not flow there. It's a place out of time. So you be, you can be in there for like an hour, you feel, yeah. and it could be like a few days. Mm -hmm. They somehow they somehow escape. Then they go to the underworld. Then they fight Hades after they after they almost fall into Tartarus. They go to Hades, confront him. He doesn't have the stuff. Percy Jackson actually does have the lightning bolts. Then he escapes with these three pearls that his uh, dad gave him. And then he goes and fights at, uh, not Atlas, Ares, who is his enemy for almost all of the book series, and the next one after that, too. Yeah. He just doesn't like, Ares just does not like him. And then he beats Ares, who's a god. Yeah. Ares just hates him. Then he basically flies Persia all the way back to uh, the uh, New York. He goes give the lightning bolts back. The helm is taken by a fury back to Hades, and basically um, he goes back to camp. Lives out the rest of the summer. tries to tries to be murdered by Luke, who we found out is the main villain of this whole series, along with Cronus, who's manipulating him. And yes, pretty much the whole book. Well, true, and also Lightning Thief is when we first see Percy being, like, coming up with his powers, learning about the heritage of the lineage factor with uh, Poseidon being the demigod oh, yeah, that he I was. I didn't even think I mentioned him being a child of Poseidon in that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, anyone that doesn't know what it, the demigods are, it's half human, half god. It's usually yep, the gods the having, you know, intercourse with humans, and as a result, the humans are born with the half god part of them, with the half human heritage. And, yes, there's half, yeah. half human, half god. I and, also didn't mention yeah. Percy Jackson's friends. Yeah. The Satar. He has, he has three friends mm -hmm. a Satar. Half human, half goat. Um, then there's a Annabeth, his future girlfriend. Uh, her 
daughter of Athena. And then there's Luke, who was actually his friend originally. He's a child of Hermes, who also then tries to kill him. Yeah. And the, oh, there's also yeah. his main enemy, also child of Ares, and who's also his main enemy. And, well, uh, she also tries to kill him. Yeah. Twice. Yep. And, uh, you know, with Rick Warden doing this story, you also have to know, yes, it's based on the original Percy in Greek mythology, but it's a totally yeah. different story lineup with that story because it's its own original story based on historical mythology of Greek. Yeah. Yeah, he also faces um, one of the vil- main villains that Jason fought, uh, the uh, Snake Lady. Yeah. Forgot her name. Mm-hmm. She has a bunch of snakes and to continue to stone. And if you cut off her head, then, well, a Pegasus and a child of uh, Poseidon comes up out. That's what happened in the original one. You actually see that child later on in the, the book series. Yeah, and uh, I think we see that in Sea of Monsters when you come to the rescue. Um, you don't see uh, the child yeah. of... Poseidon, Percy's brother, yeah. who came from the Snake Lady, until the next book series after that, after yeah. he tries uh, killing them all. Yeah. Also, another thing that's really establishing with the Lightning Thief is Ares being a quote-unquote antagonist for multiple books and being an ongoing an antagonist. Yeah, I know. Well, antag. What well, is an antagonist? So, it's an ongoing antagonist that will come up again, and that usually reoccurring theme of a repeat villain actually plays a lot into a storyline, and Percy Jackson uses it really well to tell that story. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on in that book. There's him meeting his friends, we actually get to know more about him, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of interest... uh, Annabeth, who comes in later on in the book series, and they start to date. And then there's Grover, who is his best friend, who actually went to school with him before he almost tried to get killed by Fury. And Grover, I think, is also his guardian. Like, Uh, Yeah, Grover was his his guardian, the person who's supposed to help him get back to camp. Oh, and what's it called? Uh, The Curse of the Big Three. Yeah. They made a they made a vow that any demigod they had, the big three, uh, Poseidon, Zeus, and Hades, any of them three, if they had a kid, that kid would be killed. Basically, they swore on the river sticks. Yeah, so that pussy is going to be chased by everyone else to kill him, of that course. Yeah, pretty much. He's tried to kill by every single person, except for his friends, obviously. And then, even one of his friends does try to kill him. Well, the question is, if Poseidon did that, uh, the course of the big three, wouldn't he be obliged to kill his own son? Well, no. He he caused his son to be killed by bringing him into this world. And the curse curse of the big three was, was actually made by Zeus and Poseidon after World War II, between the fight of the children of Hades versus Zeus and uh, Poseidon's kids. That's pretty much what World War II was in the Greek mythology world in this book. And it brings up the fact that that the kids of the Big Three are very dangerous and very strong. And that they should be killed at all costs, pretty much. Because he has been threatened to kill by almost every single god, except for his father. Yeah. So. Oh, and Persephone. She doesn't threaten to come either. True. And there's also, those are all the people that come up in the book that are also either children of Zeus and Hades that come up as well. So, there's other ones in other forms, but that's laid on the line time frame. Oh, there's, a, there's what's called a child of Zeus who dies, 
And then there's another child of Jupiter who's in the, the next book series. Yeah. And then there's Nico who we meet in the next book. No, in two books from this one. He comes up in the uh, one with Atlas. Mm. So, so yeah, that I think sets up, up the plot of the Percy Jackson Olympian. Olympian series, and then we go to the Sea of Monsters, where it's kind of interesting because you you know you can't tell about the the dads of the side and God of the sea. Half of these days, most came see the monsters that we had to fight. So in the game of dodgeball, turning to death against the ugly gang cannibal giants, we then we have the entire half boat on an attack, the golden fleece, you know, the invaded yeah. by monsters. And then you have the treacherous the, sea of monsters and restored the order of the Half-Blood Hill. There's one part of uh, the sea of monsters I don't like. It's mm -hmm. the fact that Percy uh, Jackson's a son of the sea god, yet he almost dies at sea. Because, like, if he's a child of Poseidon, wouldn't his, you know, father, you know, be helping him? Like, giving them, like, a protection of the sea? That's one part I don't like about it. Okay, so He's, the thing with what you say is divine intervention. Most of the time, divine intervention. Okay, in the Sea of Monsters, divine intervention does happen with the seahorse coming to his aid in the Monsters of the Sea and the healing factor yeah. with the sea. So. Yeah. It's, divine intervention. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that he really gets help from is near the end of the book where he needs the horses who then almost try to kill him at, at near the, farther on in the book. And then at the very beginning, but that's not divine really intervention from his father, that's from Hermes. Yeah. And then they almost try to kill him there too. Mm, true. Yeah. The, it's, the divine intervention is silly because... Every single time it happened in that book, those two times, the divine intervention tries to kill him. True. Yeah. That's... The first time that it happened, the seahorses came, they helped him, but then they took the they took the uh, the three demigods and a no, two of them. That's the way because we meet we meet uh, Percy's brother. Cyclops' brother. Who gets on a seahorse, the um, magical horses, and then they go up onto the ship, and then they're surrounded by monsters, mm -hmm. which try to kill him. True. And uh, it's kind of yeah. interesting because we have the Sea of Monsters. What does the Sea of Monsters actually entitle and develop the story? Sea of Monsters is pretty much the Bermuda Triangle. Mm -hmm. It's this giant triangle area in uh, the Atlantic Ocean that basically tries to kill you at every single turn. There's the island of the mermaid people who tried to get your shipwrecked and killed. The Circe's Island with magical beings who also tried to kill you. The Cyclops Island with the fleece who also tries to kill you. Yeah. And don't even mention the way to get into it. There's only two ways, there's only one way to get into it. There's a small passageway. If you go into that passageway, it stays straight in the middle. If you aren't, go one way or the other, you go to the, um, the island in the sky with the little hawk person who swoops down at lightning speed, picks you up, and you're dead. Because then they drop you into the ocean. And, well, there's a giant little whirlpool thingy that kills you. Yeah. And then on the opposite side, tornadoes, whirlpools, and other things that also try to kill you. You have to be crazy to try and go in there. Well, the demigods are crazy, so that makes sense. Oh, yeah. You know, then we also have the Golden Fleece. I think I think the Legend of the Golden Fleece, the original Legend of the Golden Fleece was actually with Hercules in the original Greek mythology. But Percy Jackson's using it in a different way. Uh, the, the, um, 
this is mentioned uh hercules fought this tiger and they got like a thing on him but no the uh golden fleece was made by a goat and no yeah it's a goat the goat saves these two people one of them falls up and dies on the way to safety and then when they get there the goat is killed and the magical fleece is made out of that and it basically can heal any wound anything if you it can even revive dead people yeah it's a, i think it's very funny because a lot of people die in the book series if they can be brought back to life because of the golden fleece true that's very interesting oh yeah and we know it can revive dead people because at the end of the book uh talia in the tree i think it's talia thalia yeah. gets revived by the fleece because the tree is dying they place it on the lowest hanging branch and then well the tree gets revived because it's dying and then uh Tali gets revived you see that at the end of the book because it's literally that yeah and then it skips six months into the future pretty much in the next book the yeah fourth one. and no for people to know the second one and the skips the entire reason why they went to the Sea of Monsters to get the Golden Fleece was to restore the Half-Blood Hill. The Half-Blood Hill in the story was the Athena being the tree protecting the uh, barrier, and the barrier was no, weakening. The tree, the tree created the barrier, yeah. and the tree was created by Zeus, because Zeus created a tree where his daughter Thalia died. And then the tree created a barrier so monsters can't go through the barrier. Yeah. Until the fourth book. So, that's why there was the restoration of Half-Blood Hill, the Golden Fleece, and the Sea of Monsters was actually the, you know, the storyline to restore the Half-Blood Hill. But then it turned to another problem with, uh, you know, restoration of the Zeus daughter. So now that unlines the curse, the the deadly curse all over again. Because technically, as she's alive, that curse will probably be applied. Yup. She also didn't age the same, and the tree, as we see in the next book. Because if because the curse of the big three is for the next prophecy. But yeah. if the prophecy was true, she would have already turned 16 while she was in the tree, so then the world would have already been saved, or not saved. Which leads us into the next book, about trying to save Annabeth, and ensure that Tali doesn't turn 16. Yeah. So what's the significance of the Titan's Curse? Titan's Curse. That's yeah. the next book. No. Yeah. I thought Titan's Curse was the final book. Never mind, doesn't matter. The next book, the third book in the series, one of my favorites. We meet the Hunters of Artemis. Yeah. Who's this tribe uh, tribe of undead. Technically, they're not. They, they're immortal, but they're also not immortal. Because they can be killed in battle, they just don't age. Yeah. And the Hunters, the, the hunters of Artemis. We meet them after Annabeth, Annabeth, Ta, Ta, Thalia, yeah, the next Gobert, book is the Titan's Curse. Huh? The next book is the Titan's Curse. Then what's the name of the final book? Final book is like I think the Olympian. Oh. Yeah. I, oh yeah, the final Olympian because yeah. that's where I meet Hestia. He's always the final Olympian, the protector yeah. of the hurt. Oh my, not my mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. We meet, we meet Thalia for the first time with Percy, Annabeth, and Grover. They go to this big place, which is where we meet Nico and Bianca D'Angelo, who are children of Hades. And then they fight this giant monster thing that's newly resurrected, who fights for the general, who I already said is Atlas, they don't know about yet. And then Annabeth tackles the monster into the sea, she gets taken by Atlas and the monsters and stuff. And then we meet the Armis and the Hunters. Bianca joins the Hunters. They all meet Apollo, 
of politics into Camp Half Blood. At Camp Half Blood, the next they basically just talk with talk with Charon, and then uh, Percy wants to go on a quest, so he goes to talk to the uh, prophecy person, and that that doesn't work. So he goes. Then they, then there's a um, what's it called capture the flag event for everybody versus the hunters. Hunters win. They almost lose, but they but they almost but they do win. The hunters. Which also in this, uh, the hunters are extremely hot. Yeah. That's that's what how they mentioned mostly in the book. Then they go on a then the hunters, Dahlia and Grover go on a go on a quest. They fight this cat creature, the same with Hercules uh, fought. They get this like giant fleece thing that's bulletproof and a bunch of other thing proof. Yeah. Basically, it can't be killed. Basically, like, if you're in it, you're invulnerable to everything. But if you take it off, then you basically can be hurt again. And then they go continue on. They meet Annabeth's father, who then takes, um, shows them how to get to this mountain, which is the Titan's Mountain where Atlas is. They get, they basically find their way up there, sneak past the dragon, get onto the mountain. Yep. Then, then they meet. At, that's where they meet Atlas and all them. <sighs> And, well, they fight Atlas, like I said earlier. And then Percy Jackson takes the sky from Annabeth, whose hair starting to turn white. And then they start fighting all of them. No, Percy takes the sky from Artemis, who then starts fighting with Zoe Nightshade, Atlas's daughter. They continue fighting. Artemis kicks uh, Annabeth. And, no, Artemis kicks Atlas. Atlas falls and rolls. Pussy moves out of the way so he doesn't die by Atlas falling. Atlas takes to the sky and all's good and ends well until they, you know, go back. Uh, Thalia joins the hunters. Percy gets threatened to kill again for like the umpteenth time. He doesn't get killed, thank you, uh, thankfully. Uh, Nico, we find out, is a child of Hades. Bianca di- has died a while ago when they fought this giant creature that electrocuted and then died and the land without rain and then they basically go back and then Annabeth stayed Percy's fine Grover's fine uh Percy's brother from the last book is also fine but he's in uh Poseidon's palace working in the forges got to mention that last one yeah yeah that's pretty much the whole book series the second third book true and also with the Titan's Curse, you know, Annabeth goes missing. That's the catalyst for everything being, the, everything going on. But with the introduction of Atlas, I get the uh, opportunity that, like, Atlas will come up again, but in a different way, because Atlas will still be serving his curse of duty to hold up the sky. Titan's Curse. Yeah. The Titan's Curse is holding up the sky. But we actually don't really see Atlas very much in the rest of the book series. He gets mentioned in like a short segment where Percy is dreaming. Mm-hmm. Oh, we also see, um, what's it called? We also see in the book, in that book series, the, uh, the, the third one, Tyson's Curse. We see him fall off a cliff and supposedly die. Yeah. We see him die. Which I think is very interesting. Yeah. And then that... Which, that also leads to the next book series, The Labyrinth, and not book series, the next book, The Labyrinth. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know. That's Well, this the one we have, you know, freshman correlation at, uh, at the good high school, Mortal Conceit through the Mist, uh, Toot yeah, and oh, Escape, They Travel to Camp Half-Blood, Lone Grove is in Trouble, Council of the Clothing Elders, we also have a competition... Quintus and Beth and Quincy actually find an interest in the labyrinth. Possible invasion for Luke. Coming back in the story. Given leadership quest for the Dadius. Consistent to be on a string to Luke. A lot is going on here. So, Percy had met this girl named Rachel in the previous book series. But they make a bunch of damn jokes. I'm not talking about D-A-M-N, the curse word. I'm talking about D-A-M. Because they, you know, beat Rachel out of dam. They make a bunch of jokes about the damn snack bar and a bunch of other damn things. Yeah. Which I think is hilarious. 
But, uh, yeah, basically Percy's going into his first year of high school, his freshman year, with his mother's boyfriend, who's a teacher there. And they go to freshman uh, orientation. Everything's perfectly fine. He's going to go on a date with Annabeth. Wait, then they don't. They find a bunch of magical vampires. One explodes in a fiery fury. Then they escape. Percy escapes with Annabeth. They go to Camp Half-Blood. They find out Grover, who went on a search for Pan, couldn't find him. Figured out he's in the labyrinth. That's why nobody can find him. Then they then they get on find the labyrinth way into the labyrinth later on. Then after they find their way into the labyrinth, then they get sent on a quest into the labyrinth with with uh, Percy's brother who comes back in this book for the summer with Percy, so it's, uh, Annabeth, Percy, his brother, and Grover. And they basically go into there. They get separated purposefully after Grover and Tyson, Percy's brother, find a way like, that goes deeper into the earth where Pan should be. Yeah. And then they go in there. Annabeth and Percy, they go a different way. And they find a giant, like a farm dude. Percy fights this farm dude with three different chests, three different hearts. Mm-hmm. He uses the power of Hera to shoot all three uh, of those hearts out. But he actually didn't pray to her. He prayed to mm-hmm. Apollo and Artemis, the gods of hunting and archery. Which then they meet Nico. Nico doesn't join them. They, he stays with the other farm handler, who's actually good, not bad. Then they go back into the tunnel. They go into Mount uh, Mount Diablo, I think, or something like that. Yeah. It's it's, it's a mount. It's a uh, mountain, volcanic mountain. Mount Saint Helens, I think. Huh? Mount St. Helens? Yeah, that one. Yeah. And then, uh, that's where Typhoon is. Yeah. With this, this is, this is like, uh, whale, walrus type creatures mm-hmm. making weapons in there. And so that's happening. Then we also find out Percy's immune to lava. Yeah. He, he gets is... blown up. He goes to this magical yeah. island, meets this girl. He leaves the island because of, uh, what, Hephaestus or Ares mm-hmm. or something like that? And then he leaves the island. He goes back to camp where Annabeth is. They burned his shrew that Annabeth and the Athena cabin made. And then they go back back into the uh, place, but with Rachel this time, who can find the way in. Then, Puss, then uh, uh, what's his face? Percy goes in there. Then he fights his brother, who is not a cyclops. He's a child of Gia, the Earth Goddess, yeah. the second most powerful being in this world, and Poseidon. So basically, Percy can't kill him, hypothetically, if he's on Earth. He's under Earth. So basically, he gets the dude tangled up, and he basically chokes to death on off the ground, which I think is hilarious. And then he gets freed. He goes find Dillis' workshop. He doesn't find the string. The string was already given to Luke. Then Dearless and his hellhound, then they, you know, fight and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Then they escape. Huh? Yep. Yeah, and then they fight, and then they find another entrance into the labyrinth, but they go back to New York, Camp Half-Blood, where the battle's about to begin. Yeah. The first fight of, the first fight of this, uh, you know, war, the big main fight, Camp Half-Blood with all the monsters that Luke and Kronos have, and Kronos. Kronos is alive now. Kronos is real. Kronos is alive in this universe again. Yep. On the in, in the overworld. Yeah. As I like to call it. And well, he's not in this fight, thank gosh, because if he was, they would lose. Then basically they fight, and oh, let me rewind a little bit. They find Pan. Pan dies. Give Grover his power of the scream that petrifies everybody, makes them run away. It's like the fear of the wild and stuff like that. Yeah. And so, yeah. So then they fight. Grover comes out, screams. All the monsters go back in hiding. That's when we meet the, uh, the 100 armed person, the analyst, yeah. the five, uh, and his hellhound, Miss, Miss O'Leary. 
And yeah. then basically, he's killed by Nico. His soul goes into his sword. And then the labyrinth crashes. No more labyrinth. And then basically, that's pretty much the end of the story. Yeah. Labyrinth's gone. They have to prepare for war. Um, yeah. And, and usually we've seen that Luke is possessed by Kronos. We also yeah. have can't have blood to fight. They, they go back to the Mount Arthritis and then basically mm-hmm. get them just to do an awe of battle again. So, oh, yes. But this, this, there's also another, another funny part yeah. there. When they see Kronos, uh, Luke turn into Kronos, like in his body, Yeah. there's also another dude, uh, another girl, Rachel. She yeah. throws her hairbrush and hits the god of time, the king of all titans, in the eye with a hairbrush. She must got some balls on her. Pun intended. Because she's a girl. She doesn't have them. Yeah. Well, what's the significance of the sand dial that Poseidon gives Percy? Oh, the uh, sand coin? The yeah. sand dollar? That's very important in the next part. But the sand dial on this can help like the uh, minor sea gods of like the all small parts of the oceans, lakes, and stuff like that. Yeah, they can they they can use the sand dial dollar to clean up the water, which it, which he breaks in half and gives to the other dudes later on in the next book series. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's uh, book, book the series. Battle of Labyrinth and how you know Grover's basically save Kronos gets back introduced in the story in a weird indirect way and pretty much yeah. go back to Manhattan where the lightning thief took so, place with is the entrance to uh, Mount Olympus yep the last scene we, the last scene in this book is Percy Jackson's birthday where he meets Nico mm-hmm. and is like in his room on the fire escape and Nico says he has a plan, which we don't find out the plan until the next book series, where he bathes in the river something or other, River Leith, I think, where he gets mm-hmm. the blessing of Achilles, which is basically, you're, you can't be like, killed except for like one spot, and he picks his like, his, like the thing of his uh, shoulder blade, something like that, mm-hmm. his back. Which is actually the the uh, curse is, is exactly how Kronos dies in this. Mm. Yeah, he gets killed because of the uh, curse, the yeah. uh, shoulder blade thing. Except for him, it's no. The yeah, kid for, is here. Except for him, it's in his armpit. Oh. Yeah. It's uh for Lucas, it's in his armpit with uh, Kronos and all that stuff. It's in. The actual armpit. Basically, if you just close your arm, they can't touch you. You literally can't be killed. Just battles one arm, boom, you win. <laughs> True. I, 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 to be honest, I really think the uh, Apollo weakness with the Achilles heel is actually more better because you have to hit the heel of the person with it. So, yeah, I don't. I think that's a lot better. Because when you think of the uh, legend of Apollo, you know, yes. the Greek god of the sun warrior in the sky, basically, his weakness is the Achilles heel. So that's where the, yeah. the term Achilles heel comes from with anyone having it's a weakness. The, the Achilles heel is one of the weakest points in the human body. Your heel is. Yeah. Because if you kick it hard enough, the person can think. And then... They can easily be killed then. They faint, you know. And the thing is, it's actually really hard to injure that area, too. The Achilles heel, yeah. Because you, if you, like, wear, like, steel-toed boots, but, like, the steel is in the mm-hmm. back, like, the bullet can just bounce off the bull- off the back of it. Arrows won't hurt it. That won't hurt it. And who's going to go crawling around with a little knife to stab you in the back of the foot? Yeah. Like, yeah. Percy chose, Percy chose like this one area. Except when he fought, it said it would be covered by armor. And he didn't wear armor. Like he mentions it would be covered by armor, so it'd be really hard to get to. Yet he doesn't wear the armor. Yeah. Yeah. 
And the final book, he basically, we see him, he goes with Nico, and on Miss O'Leary, they shadow travel. They yep. talk to Luke's mom, who the last Olympian. is basically crazy. Huh? The last Olympian. Yeah, the last Olympian, the final book in this book series. They meet them. They meet Luke's mom. They tell him about her. They, she tells them about her son Luke and the growing up and all that. And the last time she saw him, which was a few weeks ago, to ask permission, because you have to have the parents' permission to, like, pretty much to have the uh, curse of Achilles, the uh, uh, invulnerability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They need the parents' permission to do so. So if you're an orphan, well, that sucks. You ain't have parents. Yeah. Yeah. Just no parents, no permission, no permission, no curse. I mean, it's not really a curse because curses are usually bad. And curses usually can't go away, but this can go away. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying that Percy has to get permission from his mother to actually get the uh, curse, the way of the blessing of a, of ar- ar- armies to actually have that one wound area to be killed. Yeah, he, he does have her permission to do so. So when her, when she given permission, what is she thinking? She's thinking like, oh no, he's gonna go fight someone very strong. He might never come back. I'm I'm scared for my child that he's going to come back. He's not going to come back from this next fight. That he needs like this extra protection to fight the strong being. Pretty much. She's scared and worried for him. They also uh-huh. like make a pact thingy that when the fight's over, the blue the sky he makes the sky turn blue to make sure that that to tell them that, you know, they're all fine, safe and stuff like that. Okay. And what's the area that Percy Jackson chooses when he gets blessed with this curse? He chooses, like, I'm pretty sure it's, like, the area of a shoulder blade. Mm-hmm. Like, the shoulder blade, the tip of it area. So you have to, like, stab into it. Like, if you're running up to somebody and you, like, stab them in the back, it won't hit it. So you have to, like, stab from the side. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I guess there's not another non-common area to do it. Yeah. So. But the, uh, if you choose the inside of your eyeball, then you can just close your eye and fight with one eye. Because like, they can't stab your eyelid to do it. So it's protected. It's, it's practically impossible to kill you then. But there's also another way to do it if they just take you to the Roman area, bathe you in the water, and then boom, you're vulnerable again. But yeah, that's, that doesn't get mentioned until the next book series. But that's, I think the next book series is a, like, another weird, like, a spinoff. The next, the, like, next book series that, the, like, Greek, in, Greek is in, it's the uh, Heroes of Olympus. Yeah. It's Roman and Greek demigods. Yeah. Where Percy gets taken by Hera. Jason, who is, the, who is Thalia's brother, gets taken to Camp Half-Blood, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But that's not Percy Jackson related. That's Heroes of Olympus. Yeah. H-O-O. So, you know, then we also have uh, Titan Oceanus is under siege. Yeah. Um, the Titan, Water Titan, yeah. yeah. He, uh, t- he starts fighting Poseidon at his castle. Poseidon leaves to go take down Typhoon, who's trying to take, who's trying to destroy Olympus. And... Poseidon's uh, castle gets destroyed. Yeah. So. With, you know, also with the great, like, what's the great prophecy in this when he goes back to get Half-Blood? Great prophecy. The prophecy of the three uh, great demigods of the big three. That's the, uh, the curse I was talking about earlier with uh, the three big three titles and the demigods they would be killed this is why they would be killed because of this it led to the big three making a pact which about them not having any more tri- children 
like then we got children. So yeah, it's basically the next child of the big three who turns sixteen will either destroy, will be the cause to destroy, or save Olympus, pretty much. And if you destroy Olympus, and like the whole world will crash and stuff like that. Everything it made, all the Western society would be destroyed. It's what mentioned, yeah. Yeah. That's it's something other. Yeah. Oh, and later on, Rachel, who turns into the next prophecy, but the prophecy thing was cursed by Hades, but he didn't know that. And then basically, Rachel tells him, "You're not the hero in this story," which which actually. If she didn't say that, Percy would have just not give Luke like the dagger to win. They would have lost if it, uh, Rachel didn't say that. So I think the real hero is Rachel. That's just my theory. Thank Yeah. Any questions? Mm, not necessarily. Um, so what's your favorite part of the series with Percy Jackson and how everything works out? My favorite part, well, it's tied between the three. It's when they fight the uh, Titan, with the, uh, they fight at Cersei's Island, where Percy Jackson turns into a guinea pig. I didn't mention that part before, but yeah. They fight at Cersei's Island, where she's like a magic person who turns all these men into guinea pigs, which then they get gummies from Hermes, who turns them all back into human. The whole, like... Island gets overrun by pirates and like people. So basically, they skip on a giant pirate ship. And then my second favorite is when they are. Uh, what's it called? When the dam thing, the dam thing, where they meet at the uh, the dam and they make all those damn jokes. Mm-hmm. And my third, my third favorite is when Rachel takes the hairbrush and throws it at Cronus's eye. It's also a really funny point. Point in yeah. the uh, story. Have you read any of the books? Yeah, well, I've read them and actually been kind of like familiar with them and how they interact and the legend. My personal favorite of Percy Jackson of the Olympian series is probably based off the Greek mythology and how much Greek mythology it actually uses in the lore of the context. Yeah, they they use some of the uh, stuff because then they mention uh, the uh, snake lady and how the shield of Percy with the shield how it petrified her and yeah, she was killed the second time with that. She was killed the first time by getting her head like chopped off and stuff because when her head got chopped off, a child and the first Pegasus came to being. Yeah. Anything else? Um, let's see. We have the great, you know, we have everything taken up on the mantle. So, if you have to choose a character to embody and be a characteristic of them, who you choose? Can you say that again? If you were to choose to embody a character, be that put character, who will you be? Nico. Why? Um, he doesn't sleep. Mm-hmm. He's gay. Uh, he can't tell any. He doesn't really tell anybody he's gay. The only person who he does tell he's gay to is no, 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 no. And and later on in like the book series and stuff, he tells everybody he's gay. Like at the very beginning when they meet it, mm-hmm. he, they don't really know he's gay. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's gay. He can't tell anybody he's gay, just like me, because I can't tell almost any of my family I'm gay. And then um, that he's, he doesn't really sleep. He's like a dark, broody character, how I usually am in real life. He's quiet, mysterious. Yeah. Okay. So who would Nico? Who would you match in the story with Nico? Like, like, like uh, what's it called? Like romantically. Romantically, a partner. Partner in crime, duo, who knows what you're going to do? Um, I think Percy and Nika made a good group since they're, you know, two children of the big t- uh, three, Hades and Poseidon. And, well, you know, 
uh, hey, person, uh, Nico, he can, like, summon giant craters, and Percy can summon a giant amount of water, so they can, you know, make a giant water trap, but, you know, if there's also Thalia in the mix, you can just, you know, summon lightning and make it a water, water lightning trap, that type of thing. Very, very good trap. Weaponized and stuff. Yeah. Romantic, romantically, Nico and Will make a good couple. Yeah. Which Will is Solstice, child of Apollo. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you feel like the lasting impact of the Olympians and Pussy Jackson leaves to its viewers in the final book? Um, like it leaves a lot of stuff open with, you know, uh, the Titans and stuff. And, you know, Nico, they can make, like, a whole book series off of him because, you know, he's only, what, 13, 14? And Percy was, like, 16 when he did it, so they can make, like, a book series on, like, the two years of him, you know, fighting and stuff like that. Plus, it also mentions, um, it's called, he's been hearing voices in uh, the Trials of Apollo book series, so then they can just add that onto it. And plus, in this, the Hunters of Artemis, where they can, you know, mm. add onto that into it but then on top of that there's also you know Grover becoming uh one of the members of the thing after the dude dies yeah so yeah there's a lot of stuff that they can do onto it mm-hmm. did they do any of it no could they yes because Nico is like 12 in this and when, yeah. when this book series ends six like 11 12 true yeah. Yeah. And with uh, Percy Jackson, who's your favorite god? My favorite god? Um, Hermes. I like Hermes. But Hades is also really cool because he has a lot of like cool powers. And he has like all of the underworld, which is like a very big population. And basically, if he can pace, basically take over any like any city he wants yeah. with his army. Yeah, just he has magic powers, death, and he can and he controls death itself, which can release all the monsters from the underworld. So, like, if they really wanted to, they can take over the, all of the overworld pretty easily. I would say because they would kill all the humans off, and then it would just be. The demigods, which, you know, under, under, like, underground, you can easily just, you know, summon a hole, trace all the monsters and stuff into the barrier, killing all the demigods. So yeah. basically, Hades, if he really wanted to, he can easily destroy the world, practically. Yeah. He's, he's cool. Well, I also feel like him in the uh, series, he doesn't do that. Because he feels like he has a protect, he, he's like the protector of the underworld. So when he does that, the his realm, realm, so he doesn't have to interfere with the human realm. Yeah, he's he doesn't really because there's also a curse of the underworld, yeah. and the curse is if you eat a pomegranate, like from the like any fruit from the underworld, like a pomegranate or something like that, then you can't leave the underworld unless you know say you could, which Hades can't control that. But also, he's not allowed to leave the underworld unless of the, like, you know, Zeus and all them decide he can. Yeah. So, yeah. He's one of the strongest gods, yet his powers are nuked a lot by the other gods. Yeah. Which, which I don't think is very fair. He's misunderstood. How's he misunderstood? Huh? Well, you say he's misunderstood, so how's that playing a factor in his role as Protector of the underworld. Well, see, well, what's it called when the uh, you know the he's the oldest god. I'm pretty sure, like the main twelve, uh, like Poseidon and all them. He's he's older than all of them, because he's older than Poseidon. So which means that would make him stronger, you know. So wouldn't that you know make him like the king of the gods? He's just and plus he didn't even get to choose. He was forced into the god of the underworld, and he was forced into the packed of the river sticks he was forced in to do a lot of stuff so he yeah he that would clearly make him grumpy and angry which he shows in the book series mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So he's pretty much under is understood because of he he's basically forced to do a lot of stuff he doesn't want to do, which would make almost anybody grumpy and angry. Yeah. So with uh, Percy Jackson with the Olympians, do you feel like the story progresses to a point where it actually becomes more interesting, or is a where is one part you have fixed? Like that really sticks with me. Yeah. Like uh, what's it called? There's many parts in like all the books that really stick with me. Um, the part that I think sticks the most is like near the end, mm-hmm. near the end of the uh, final book, the last final last Olympian. When Annabeth and Percy kiss underwater, that part really stuck with stuck with me. Because then, because in the other book series, they like, uh, they they uh, make the the uh, love interest like it was like progressed through all the book series, where Annabeth has kissed them like twice before that, but not like romantically. Yeah. And then with the under, then when they are uh, all the Aries kids and all the other campus like threw him into the water. He didn't get wet and ordered Annabeth, and he forced a water bubble to take them to the bottom of it where they kissed. That was when they signified that they were dating. Yeah, that part we really stuck with me. Oh, okay. So, do you feel like your participation in the Pussy Jackson Olympian, Olympian series is actually really well understood by most people, or is it like one of those types of book series? Is- under the radar. Um, what do you mean by that? So, like, do you feel you're highly representative in a book community with Pussy Jackson, or do you feel like that's a, it's based on other book series that Pussy Jackson low, low rankings are lower than those? Um, I think like Percy Jackson, like a lot of people know about this book series. Yeah. They just don't think they would it would be a good book series to read. Because I know a bunch of people who have read it and say it's a good book series, but I also know a bunch of people who haven't read it, and they don't think it'd be a good book series. That's what I've asked. Because mm-hmm. I, yeah. Oh okay, so people underestimate the book. Yeah. And why do you think they do that? Because it's so like. From what people have told me that they don't like think about is that they don't think it'd be a good book because like all the Greek gods and stuff, they think it'd be like too confusing to memorize mm-hmm. all like this stuff, and like and like going into the next book series, they would think like the whole last book would confuse them that they won't like remember a lot of the stuff that happened in the last book series, which yeah, it can be a little bit confusing, but if you like read over some pages, you might have to do that a little bit. But if you pay attention to what you're reading, it shouldn't be that confusing. Mm, true. But this is also coming from somebody who's read the books four times. So you read the books four times. What has one yes. thing that you have read that has changed throughout the times you've read the books? Your perception or how the story goes? Well, like the first like three times I read it, like, the story didn't really change. But then, like, when I read it the fourth and final time, like, I read it, like, four months ago, like, near, near my birthday, like, February, uh, January, February, March, I read it again. I started reading it again. I haven't finished the final book yet mm-hmm. for the fourth time, but I read all the other ones. And so, yeah, like, my perception of, like, Percy Jackson and all of his, like, all the people we fought against has changed. Because, like, he was, uh, he, he has ADHD, which most demigods do have, and, like, my perception of that has been, like, ch- has changed since the very first time I read it, two, three years ago, and, yeah, he's, like, he's misunderstood slightly, because he's being bullied for something that he can't really control. Well, he he doesn't, has, like, take any medications, uh, really. It's also the, uh, uh, the vision, uh, as well normal letters they don't see it's like a hysteria or something like that he has dyslexia but yeah. you can't really, really say like bright letters and stuff yeah 
but he also what's called can read Greek fluently. Yeah. I just, like he can speak Greek mostly fluently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because uh, of his, you know, ancestry with the Greek gods and stuff like that, yeah. they used to speak Greek, which I can speak Greek mostly, kind of. Maybe you can mostly speak Greek. Okay, so I I I'm on Duolingo, and I'm and I and I've been taking uh, classes on Duolingo to speak Greek. Can I speak it? No. Can, I mean, I can say a few things in it. Oh, but say a sentence right really. now in Greek and then translate it to English. Go. Say that again? Do a sentence in Greek, but also translate it to English. I haven't gotten to speak sentences yet. I've been learning... Do a uh, phrase. Do a phrase. Uh, I have to pull up the lingo real quick. Because mm-hmm. I don't... Because I don't, like, memorize it off the top of my head. Like, I can read it and then say it out loud for often. Mm-hmm. Not loading. And also another thing that with Greek you have, it's kind of interesting because, you know, it's just like that uh, ability of uh, transcription and translating ability that people might have in all these different games. Because of a heritage factor, so their history factor actually determines if they can speak that language and understand that language. So in yeah, this case, can... yeah, Percy Jackson can do it and be able to do it. Now let's see how Saber can speak Greek and actually try to master the gods. Okay, so this is Hello, How Are You? Mm-hmm. It's Gia Post Isela. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. It's, it's spelled G-E-I-A P, uh, special thing for O, S, space, E, special thing for I, S, A, I. Yeah. So there's an asterisk on the I. So it's a... Yeah. It's like a... Like a really special thing for Yeah. So, okay. That's not terrible. And say it again? Yes, I need to pull it back up then. Because I didn't think you were... I got to ask me a second time. Dear Post Isaiah. Okay. Hello, how are you? Dear Post And how you respond? I'm pretty good, right? Yeah. I might, I might be, like, saying it wrong, but that's how, like, it's, it's G-E-I, so it'd be, like, Gia, and then so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Well, with this particular episode of MC Anime, this is coming to a conclusion. So is there anything you'd like to say to wrap up the Percy Jackson Olympian series questionnaire and you as a special guest, Sable? Um, you can go, you can buy these books off Amazon and it's like ten dollars per book. It's like ten fifteen dollars per book. So yeah, you can buy them off Amazon if you want to read them. Or you can just Google it and then you can read it off of there. And uh, if you really like the Poster Jackson Olympian series, Rick Warden... You can also read the ones after it. Yeah. Rick Warden's author is also spin-offs after the five-part book series. Poster Jackson is mentioned, but it also kind of plays a different role, kind of. So it's like, oh yeah, you mentioned, but like you play a totally... You might be totally different in the story or how you prescribe and all this other stuff. Percy Jackson has another book series after this, Heroes of Olympus, and but you don't even see him see him until the second book series, Race of Trials of Neptune. Yeah, that's special. And then there's one after that, Trials of Apollo, but you only see him in the first and and last book. Yeah. I mean around Apollo and his stupidity and stuff. Yeah. So it's basically it's just like Percy Jackson taking on a different role and actually doing something else, right? Yeah, Percy Jackson takes a different role in every single book series. In first one, he's a main character. Second one, he's a shared main character with six other characters in it. First big series, first book he's in is the second one, Son of Neptune, where there's three main characters. The first book is three, three main characters, and then the final three books in the book series is seven main characters. Yeah. Yeah, and then 
And then in the final book series that he has, The Trials of Apollo, he's like a minor character in that. Okay. So there you have yeah. it. You hit Plum Saber himself. Read yes. and do a hashtag Pussy Jackson Olympian for the book series and support Rick Warden with everything he's done with the publishing and authorship of these books. Yeah. He's special. Exactly. Very special person. The historic perspective for Greek mythology is a really interesting premise. And it's totally different than the original Pussy in Greek mythology. So if you want to see, yeah. you know, uh, PJO, Pussy Jackson Olympian, as a book to you, go buy it, support it, and also contribute to the conversation. Maybe you can leave a comment. And you can follow us on MCMA Podcasts on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. You can find Saber on Discord with uh, S-A-B-E-R, hashtag 4321. And that also be the link in the description for messaging Saber if you really like his input. About Percy Jackson and other related stuff, if you'd like him as a special guest. With that, this concludes the episode of MC Anime Podcasts with the Percy Jackson Olympian questionnaire. Uh, Saber, thank you for your time and uh, thank you for You're being welcome. here. So, bye guys.